Is it big enough? You need it bigger. Yeah, I can say I know where we're at now. Whoa. So if I see something extra pop up. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be good there. Okay, so I think we've got uh, Scott and his sons. Unless I miss my dates, they're down at spring training for several baseball uh, teams in Florida. And a uh, little family vacay for them. Joshua left, what, this morning or yesterday? Yeah, this morning. Where's he going? Uh, St. Louis. St. Louis. Home of the Cardinals, which is, yeah, okay, it's good. Yeah. Uh, so he's out. Brock told me he'd be online watching, so we'll see about that in a minute. And... Uh, Caleb is sick, and uh, Todd's taking care of him tonight at home. So it looks like it's us. Is it week? Um, I thought it was, but he normally gets here a couple minutes late. So let's see if he's he's due. All right, we're on lesson 18, and I've been looking forward to this. Just really, quite frankly, to hear what you guys have to say here. Um, I wanted to just uh, dig in first with... uh, that reference from Acts 11 about the guys in Cyprus. So I don't know if you picked up on that. Yeah, that really stood out. There was a very big uh, difference between those that preached only to Jews and others that preached to Hellenists. It's surprising, my translation said. Yeah, Hellenists. And we're actually going to be talking about Hellenists versus Greeks versus Gentiles versus non-Jews versus and that whole deal so we'll see there yeah so uh, speaking the word verse 19 to no one except Jews and um, the guys who spoke to the Hellenists from Cyprus and Cyrene preached the Lord so uh, interesting what uh, what do you make of that is that consistent with what we've seen so far or is that different it's consistent so far with there being a distinction okay I think so far we haven't seen like and they they preached to everyone you know we've seen like no no we know who there's they're been preaching a focus. to there's yeah been there's a been a focus okay and so, the focus has always been the Jews yeah yeah exactly okay. so it's not surprising that they have to specifically say oh and by the way this was also to Hellenists you know, yeah this particular case good good to the Jew first right and also to the yeah yeah and we're actually going to look at that next week. Um, but that, that, what's interesting, though, and I guess the, the other part of that that I was wondering about that I wanted to get your thoughts on was, does it sound like it's something different that's being preached? You have speaking the word to no one except Jews, and then preaching the Lord Yeshua is how it's referred to when it's talking about the Hellenists. Does that sound like two different things? Uh, you know, I thought about that. My thought was, what, what is the word? If you're talking to Jews, you're not going to tell them about the Torah. They already know the Torah. So what, what's the word of the day? What's the word of information that they're bringing? I, I would say it's got to be that Yeshua is the Messiah. It's a personal point. I don't know. Okay. But that's, that's where I got it. I did notice it was phrased differently, though. You're right. So who knows? So... Repent, come to Torah, and while you're at it, Yeshua is Messiah. Like for that. The, for the Greeks, for right. the Jews, I mean, if they you're already given the Torah, we don't need to tell you about the Torah. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, 
Because you, you also have to wonder, because by this point in time, right, there's, a, there's also a lot of Hellenized Jews. So sure. they're ethnically Jewish. Sure. But they may not necessarily be keeping the Torah or even be that knowledgeable, and many of them didn't even know Hebrew. That's right. Which is why so, we got the Septuagint in the first place. Right. Sure. So, so, um, so, so, your statement that if people, they were preaching to Jews, they wouldn't, the word wouldn't need to be the Torah. I don't know. It depends because there's def, there was definitely Jews existing in that time that were not, right. That were not necessarily well versed because they had been so Hellenized and somewhat disconnected. Yeah, it could right? be. It's interesting though that. That word for word is logos. Law. Right? No, not, not no. law. Logos is word. Oh. Mm-hmm. And he is the logos. He is the word. So he's the living word. Um, but it's good. It's good. Uh, I don't know that we can we come one way or the other. Right. Um, so what about, uh, what about Barnabas? Where was Barnabas from? And why would he have anything to do with them preaching Messiah to non-Jews up to this point? Any thoughts, sir? We've got, what have we seen so far? Um, He He's brought in. He, well, he was. He was still in Jerusalem with the Jewish congregation in yes. Jerusalem, right? Yes. And so then it says they sent him. So now he's a shayach going back out to Antioch, I guess, because if you read verse twenty-three, and when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. So, so it sounds like it's the, when I read that it's like <clears throat> the leadership in Jerusalem gets this word back that you know this this these things are happening right. you know with the non-Jews and it's like they dispatch Barnabas Barnabas to go because he's He's obviously well thought of and oh, yeah. godly and all that. So they dispatch him to say, go check this out, you know, and almost like, you know, go confirm the reports mm-hmm. that we're hearing. Mm-hmm. And when he arrives, in fact, he's, know, he's amazed. He's amazed, yeah. But what just happened with Peter? Well, the whole Gentile thing, right? I mean, that's chapter 10, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So we, we've got. The word of that Barnabas knows that because he was he's been with them the whole time. We've already already heard that he's actually dealt with Saul already, right? Yeah. Well, that, and that was what I was think, wondering was did Saul then later Paul get it from Barnabas this mission or this like passion? That's to, a good question to talk to the. Jews. We're looking at that next week. Okay. Yeah. So let's uh, let's see, but. I'm just thinking. I mean, maybe I miss, I'm misremembering. But where was Barnabas from? Wasn't he from either Cyprus or Cyrene? Oh, uh, uh, we have to go back and find, right? 
Yeah, that would make sense though if that's where exactly. he's from. So exactly. it's like, send, send, send the, the native back to Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, here we go. Acts 4.36 is thus mm. Joseph, bum, 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 who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus. There we go. Okay. okay. Uh, so, so that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. He knows the lay of the land. He probably he does. knew. Yeah. Those which guys are, right. are, are listening and all of that. So good, 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 good. All right. So, um, I thought, yeah, in verse 25, Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul and brought him to Antioch, and they ministered there. In fact, I think, don't they minister for like a year? Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, that's, that's a long deal there. So, then we get into this, uh, this term, church. Um, so where was that? What verse? The first or time they're called Christians. Twenty-two mm-hmm. is the first time I see I see the word church. Yeah, report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. Right. So, so we obviously know there was no church in Jerusalem. Exactly. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. There's yeah, many there sure now, though. Right? <laughs> yeah, there may be some now, but at this point in time, yeah. there was no church in Jerusalem. All right, so, so I didn't want to start a whole conspiracy deal, but I'm very interested in in your thoughts. Did you put that purple book up? Yes. This um, you guys know the Cornelius and the Jews book, right? The purple book. Yeah. Um, and as, as Tom Jonathan, that's he's a guy that lives, you know, like right nearby here somewhere. Um, he's in North Carolina, uh, and his daughter, I guess, was uh, was actually going to church at some point. Uh, we're in a congregation that Rick was in. So there's a little connection back to us in some way. Um, but the word for church in Greek is, is as close as you can get would be kirken or something like that. And that's not this. This is ecclesia. And if we go back to the Septuagint and you that's look at assembly, it's kahal. And if you're translating kahal into Greek, you're, you're going to be looking at ecclesia. So... So, how do we end up with the church in Jerusalem? In your mind, and well, I'll, uh, you know, I think, I'll, I'll I take whatever you got. I, I mean, to me, that's just a classic translator bias. Okay. Um, because what is the bias? Tell me, tell me where you think they're coming from, in order to do that. Well, I mean, fundamentally, bottom line, well, because what would their desire be? Jews don't translate these particular scriptures to anything, right? Right. So you only have presumably Christians who are trans- attempting to translate. The apostolic scriptures. Um, and so if you are a Christian and you and so and you have all of the sort of preconceived notions and biases and understandings that have that you've inherited through the, that tradition, then Using the word church would make sense appropriate, right? But but in our day and age, or even three hundred years ago, when a lot of this was translated, we already had church. So, what was the bias that they had that would cause them to do that? He said, "You know, you inherit all the biases." He's right, but what biases are they? What is it that we get in the second century? Third century. That anybody who was a follower of Yeshua 
was not in the synagogue. They were in something else something because else. they were no longer practicing Judaism. Exactly. That that is the fundamental. I think you may you're free to disagree, no. but I think that's the fundamental difference. Is that it's a different religion. We worship differently, and we worship in different places. And I think it goes deeper than that. I think they want to break the continuity with the Tanakh. To me, it's also n- not. Um, it, it's 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 not a coincidence that the first use of the of the word church in the translation appears in these passages where the first mention of Christian also appears. Exactly, and I don't think it's by accident that we also see it in Jerusalem, right. which is now, that was the reason for the first crusades. The first crusades, the Christians took up arms to fight against the Muslims who had taken over Jerusalem. That's what started They were happy to kill a few Jews. And they did on their way, way. yeah. <laughs> they did on the way. So, um, all right. So is that... Is that really possible? I mean, you didn't grow up that way. You think they, you think they deliberately twerked it, so it would be different from the Old Testament air quotes. Yeah, but in like, um, I think the intention was probably less malicious than it sounds now. Okay. But I do think okay. it was intentional. Well, it was, it was by definition it's deliberate because you have to choose the word you're going to use when you make the translation. So yeah. yeah. We know it was a deliberate selection of the of the word. I I probably am I probably tend to lean towards your I think in their mind it was they they there was nothing wrong with picking that because they, again, they don't have, they're disconnected from the context, and the only context they know is the one they know, and so in that, in their context, picking church, picking word church was, was deliberate, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't malicious. Yeah, it just, it, I, I think it just probably just kind of made sense to them, you know, even nowadays, before a church builds a building, they typically do something similar to what they did in, in this time, where they uh, assemble in a house for a little while, or they you know, assemble in someone else's building, and then you know, they, they kind of start that way. And I think you, they could possibly have read through and, and seen like, oh wow, well, obviously sometimes they're getting kicked out of synagogues, and they're, they're, they're becoming less, more, more hostile with with traditional Judaism of the time, and I think it, yeah, it was, it was just a, a natural leap for them to kind of go, oh, okay, well, of course, yeah, this is like the first church. I mean, this was Peter's. It was promised that you know, upon your rock, you know, we'll build your your ecclesia, your your church. Yeah, what did he say there? Wait a minute, let's let's look for that uh, rock. Well, I thought it was ecclesia in that one. Build. Well, I, I build. His house, I build my church, Matthew 16. It is Ecclesia. Right. I just want to make sure. So, yeah, I could kind of see it that way. But again, like it was to your point, <laughs> these aren't getting translated by Jews. Right. Um, and 
Which is a shame. It, which is a shame, and, and that, it's not surprising that they would come to these conclusions because it's, um, it does seem like without the context of Judaism, without, without seeing the importance of the stuff that we've been seeing, right? It's there, yeah. but like, I think it's so easy to skip over that if you're looking for a new religion. To skip over the parts where it's like, and of course they prayed in the synagogue, and of course they did the prayers, right. and of course they, you know, like all the we, we see it all the time when we're going through this. We're like, of course they're in the synagogue. Sure. That's where they go, right. you know. But then I think it's easy to gloss over that when you're constantly looking for the new stuff, the different stuff. Well, what did they do different than the Judaism yeah. of the time? So I, was, I, was, I, I looks like I've got fourteen different translations of the Bible on my iPad. I mean. Languages, Italian, Spanish, German, Slovenian. I mean, I, 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 but I don't have the Latin Vulgate. So, I mean, if you guys can grab it on the on the web or something like that, I'd love to know what the Latin, what the Latin had, because yeah, because most of the English is being translated from Latin Vulgate. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and if if they went back to, uh, well, we don't have to worry about the Greek, right? Because we all know the Greek is right, <coughs> and the Greek has ecclesia, not Kirkin or anything else. Right. I'm just trying to get the timeline, because if I go back here, um, we're probably in the mid-40s as this is happening. 40s. The Master's uh, crucified in, let's say, 30, 33-ish, and in the 40s, we've got what's going on here, Persecution pushes them out. We're going all over outside now of the land, Antioch and so forth. Um, but it's it's the next century when you have the Roman Church starting to do its deal. Um, and I'm just I'm just wondering their their native high end language was Latin. Roman. The yeah. Ro it's yeah. Yeah. In, in 1122, it's ecclesia. That's ecclesia. Yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah. So it's, it's there you the go. same word. It's the same word. Yeah. So you so. think that the year 40 is already mistranslated? No, this wasn't written then. Right. This happened then. Hmm. So it was, it was written after that. Well, I'm looking at Constantine because, to my understanding, he was a full blown pagan sun god worshiper. And, and turn into a Christian, Christian right. from saying the cross. And but the, that's that's like three hundred, right? So we're that's, we're we're that's a long two hundred years, years later, yeah. But this was already written prior to that. The thing you can't escape is how much the text changes and how much mm -hmm. your reading of the text changes by just that little word swap. It's if, you true. Said, if you just said assembly, it's true. it just changes your perspective on everything. Well, if you just finished reading through the Torah and did the portion discussion and, and read about the assembly and being put outside the assembly yeah. and the assembly came together and all of that, and then you see assembly, you think, yeah, it would, it would lead you to believe it's the same religion. Exactly. So really, you've got uh, right around 485, 500, you've got the Roman church persecuting for one of the last vestiges of Christian Sabbath keepers. And they killed them. I mean, you, just, you can't do it. Prior to that, where the Talmud's being 
um, codified and, 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 uh, and written and all of that. In Christianity, you've got folks that are still fighting to keep the quarter decimate heresy. Quarter decimate is 14. They want to keep Passover on the 14th of Nisan. That's, that's what they're it's doing. To they're not doing the Easter deal. We don't care that it's on a Sunday. Easter Sunday doesn't, you know, we are quarter decimate. So, um, so you've got the Passover deal and you've got the Sabbath, pretty much the only two things that last. And once you get to the post on the wall or the 500 mark, you're done. Right. right? And, and now we've got, you know, 200 years later, you've got um, Islam. And then by the time you get to the corner over here, uh, the Crusades are starting in 1100 in order to, to wipe out the Muslims and take over the Holy Land, their Holy Land again. So I'm just curious as to... We actually had a lot of conversation at dinner um, Sunday evening with Eve because she's a, she's a history buff, yeah. right? Oh, okay. yeah. And we actually got into a lot of that history um, with her. and It's, it's interesting... You know, because coming from her perspective, right. um, you know, she she brings a lot of different perspective, a lot of misconception about you know sure. the the apostolic writings yeah. and whatever. But um, and th and that's understandable. Yeah, for completely understandable. Right? The completely fact understandable. That, that that Christians or new believers here would torque it seemingly so early seems to me to be. Not from a misunderstanding. Yeah. Well, and again, if you, I mean, I know the oldest manuscripts we have are in Greek. Mm -hmm. But I personally believe a lot of this was originally written in Hebrew. Certainly the Gospels, I think, were probably mostly written in Hebrew um, and, or or, and or Aramaic, which was... Know, the sister kind of street language, mm -hmm. local street language. Um, you know, the epistles, I don't know, maybe, maybe not, because they're being dispatched to primarily Greek-speaking communities. But um, but even if they, but I guess the point being is, if, hypothetically speaking, Luke wrote his, his acts of the Talmudim or the Shokim, if he originally wrote that in Hebrew mm -hmm. and not in Greek and hypothetically you could have you could you would have discovered a Hebrew manuscript of this it would be I bet you it would look like the Tanakh it would look like the Tanakh yeah 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 and I, and I, I quite frankly I think the Greek bears that out as well and the yeah. fact that we see a an obvious I don't, I don't want to say mistake because it's obviously not a mistake it's a deliberate thing Right. Um, it, it almost makes me lose my uh, confidence in some of the church fathers. And yet, to your point, it's not, it, it apparently wasn't malicious, or as malicious as we're making it sound right now. Because the church fathers that I read, the church fathers that are still on my wall, are on this wall. They're after 1,000. They're men like Martin Luther and and uh, Charles Finney and, yeah. and, and, and guys Spurgeon. like that, Spurgeon, you know. All, yeah. th these guys are just reading the English text mm -hmm. and 
right. driving home and preaching. Yeah, King Jimmy. Exactly. So we've, we've got a torque that happened yeah. much earlier, but I don't think, you know, maybe somebody can Google. When, when, was, when, was, the, when was the earliest English translation? Because we had the Geneva Bible. Right, well, that's back in 1541, I think, or something like right. that. I think and before that, it's in Latin, because even if you go English, yeah, around the year 1000, we don't even know English isn't really what we would hear English yeah, even as. If you, even if you see it written down, right. as late as Completely 1776, different. it's pretty weird with the big S's and the S's. Right. All, <laughs> all right, so, so I, the final question we'll move on then is, so, and by the way, hi, David. Um, so what do we do about that? So who, who does have a Bible? A, a paper? <laughs> I mean a real Bible. Um, so what do, what do we what do we do with that knowledge? I can't remember uh, the author's name on that purple book. Uh, and we better give him the name and everything of that since. Uh, Go ahead and read that out loud so they can hear it. The Separation of Church and Faith. Daniel, what's his name? Copernicus and the Jews, Daniel Gruber. Gruber. Yeah, Daniel Gruber. Um, Yes, we call it the the Purple Book, Uh, Copernicus and the Jews. Uh, Amazing book. If you've not read it, um, you can't borrow mine because it's my second copy because the first one left the house and never came back. Um, but you're more than welcome to drink as much coffee or wine and stay and read it uh, as often as you like. 1380, John Wycliffe. John Wycliffe, yeah, well, you, did you know that they burned him alive? Because he did that. And then they, did they burn him or did they? That sounds familiar. They did something. They killed him. They killed him. But then they burned. They burned his bones and spread them in the River Thames, because they were they were just major ticked off. I mean, it's just, it's just like you really you, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. So thirteen what? How many? Kind of like thirteen. Kind of like Haman and his sons. You know, yeah, right. Let's kill him and kill him again. Right. <laughs> so thirteen eighty is behind your head. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if that's the first English version, then I think we're looking at Johnny. Captain Wycliffe himself, and saying, you know, where where'd this come from? Yeah. Right. And you know, back in but, those days, but, they're still in Europe, so we're doing the European and the German and the Kirken could come but in. By but by, 1380, you've had. Uh, I mean, you've had at least 1,200 years of. Roman Catholic, Catholic absolutely, bias, absolutely. Right? And whether we've got an English Bible that has the word church instead of assembly or something, you certainly have a Latin understanding that it's the church. I mean, you've got right. the Holy Mother Church way back in three something. Right. So, 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 so even it's not, though, it's even not though Latin is still using a derivative of of, ecle- of ecclesia. It was all. It was mentally they. It was a mentally was church. church. Rush. It yeah. was associated yeah. with the church, right? So, to me, I, you know, I'm I'm always cognizant of trying to make sure people understand that our faith got twisted and separated from its from its heritage mm-hmm. and its root, which would be Abraham, from the very very early beginning, and 
meaning right after the, the, the master's death. Once you've got the Roman church, well, you've got the church. So I just didn't realize that even in the English translation, we've, we've got that pushed so, quite as far. So, you know, uh, FFOZ is working on a translation of the Didache, which, cool. which is a first century yeah. Christian doctrine, uh, Christian document, right? right? Um, but they're working on a translation of that. And I've seen some, just some snippets of it, but, um, and I remember, you know, way, way back, I remember reading about the, the decay in sure. the church history, church history class, but <clears throat> I never actually, you know, uh, never actually studied the document, but it's amazing. And I think when they, you know, First Fruits Office does a great job with all our materials. Sure. They'll be by they'll, the day. They'll you will you will see just how Jewish yeah. the concepts are, you know, um, at that still at that point in time. Yeah, no question. I mean, because that was the one twenty one or one or two generations post Yeshua. Yeah, about one twenty. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so right. I mean if you go through First Fruits of Zion's Torah Club, they're quoting paragraphs out of Didache all the time. Yeah. And it's extraordinary, yeah. you know. So, I think uh, I don't know what it's written in. Is that is that written in Greek? I think it's originally in Greek. Yeah. So that would be cool to read. Um, I know that uh, uh, Tim Haig got a little ticked off because uh, they were quoting the Didache to try and prove some of their points, and he was like, oh, "You can't use an extra biblical source that doesn't line up with the biblical source. We've got to keep the the scriptures first. And he was kind of pushing back a little bit, you know. Yeah, well, so, yeah, it's, it's good, good helping stuff. He sold scriptura. So Absolutely. He's going to take Absolutely. that. So I didn't hear an answer. So what are we supposed to do with this? This newfound knowledge that our faith has been completely contaminated since the very beginning? Um, I well, mean, I, as I non-Jews, think, I, you know. Well, I mean, I think, I, I think we have an obligation to, whenever we have an opportunity, set the record straight. Okay. So, I mean, I think... This is not a Harris Teeter conversation. This is when you're studying with somebody to point out there's been some some twerking. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I mean, so putting putting back a proper understanding of both terminology, the names. You know, I mean, like when, like I'm reading a NS, uh, uh, NASB version here, right? So obviously it's going to use Jesus right, and right. Christ, and which is fine. I mean, sure. it's not not that you know there's a problem using that, but I don't, right? Because his name wasn't Jesus, right? right? So, so you're not just trying to make sure people know it, but you're also in practice trying to connect it back to the Hebraic roots. Yeah, because because these are all Jewish writings. Absolutely. But the Absolutely. Jewishness has been deliberately cleansed. Now, whether it's malicious or not, maybe, maybe not. Who knows? You can debate that. But it's been deliberately removed. Right. So this, this isn't true ethnic cleansing. I mean, there's, there's no two ways about it. I mean, the Jewishness right. of the Gospels and the, the Acts of the Apostles have been removed. Right? right. So what are you doing about it besides running keep? 
Well, similar to that, I like bringing in the different use of Yeshua versus Jesus because it's this sort of the same idea. Both of them, they are they're the same thing, and you could easily click on something in Blue Letter Bible or or you know whatever strongest concordance you want, and you could get the same information. I mean, it'll sure. tell you the mm-hmm. definition of church is not a you know a. a very large structure with a uh, spire on the top, you know, led by a priest. You know, it doesn't say that. It right. just says an assembly of people. Like, that's like the definition. But it's amazing how it, you think of it very different when you hear both of those, similar to when you hear, like, Rabbi Yeshua mm-hmm. versus right. Jesus. Right. You know, um, so yeah, I, I think those are helpful conversations to have with people to just sort of point out, like, would you think of this different if it just meant assembly? Like what we're doing right now, you know, like hanging out. Like, the, would right. you think of that different? Would it, you know? It, I think those are those are helpful conversations to have. But it, it's it, it has made me, I coming back from Israel and hearing Eve Harrow talk about some of the history and, and us talking about it throughout Acts. It has given me a lot more of an understanding why the Tanakh has been so back burner. In Christianity because it's like that's the only similarity to Judaism and it's like they have you can just tell throughout Christianity how hard they've tried to distance themselves from Christianity even though within the Catholic Church and, and other forms of Christianity you can see a lot of similarities to a structure of, of a synagogue sure um, but man it's it's like no surprise anymore right and and all the bishops Dress differently well, than all and, the other and they've priests. Got, they've got an order of prayer, and then they have yeah, they right. got liturgy. Yeah. Yeah. They've got liturgy. Yeah, yeah exactly. But it, it doesn't surprise me anymore. It's like, oh, of course, right? Like that's why you don't put any emphasis on that part of the Bible whatsoever, right? Because you like, copied it. Well, that yeah, that that thing from the Jews. Um, you know, it's like you could just see that now. It's like, oh man, yeah, they've got these like new amazing writings that they talk about something completely different. You know, and it's like, I think they only kind of hang on to the Old Testament in some cases just to hang on to, like, the Adam and Eve and original got, sin got ideas. Got to have the stories. Got right, stories, you know. Right. And, uh, Flannel graph. Yeah. David's so quiet. How do you right. do Sunday school? Yeah. You know? Right. If you don't have that. You don't have the stories. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, so I've, I've gotten more of an appreciation for that, and, and that has gotten me more, I think, enthusiastic about our mission throughout this Tzadik class, which was looking for those those repeats, you know, looking for where, well, what is Yeshua talking about? Where is right. he getting that? Where is Paul getting that? Where is Stephen getting that? Right. You know, continuing to go back to the Tanakh so that we would just, it's just, the minute that someone quotes something from the Apostolic Scriptures, we immediately can think of something from the Tanakh so that we continually reinforce the unity of both. Amen. Instead of, and we're trying to repair how they've been broken in half of that. Yeah, or... Two thirds. Oh wait, well, sure, right. Yeah, that's but yeah, I, I think for me, it it uh, it makes me want to not grab onto the messianic moniker as much and and lean more towards a, a Hebraic roots type of moniker. Although I try to avoid the monikers at all costs. Anyway, I, I love the question. I didn't know you were Jewish, and I look at them and go, "I'm not Jewish." Well, what made you think that? Anyway, it just you know, it just. Everybody's just stuck right there, and we get to open up and start fresh. I just love that. What about you? What, well, what do you think? On, on that, I, I 
we've said it before is I'd rather say I practice Judaism than right. I messianic or Hebrew roots. There's so many things attached to that now that yeah. it's Yeah, and some worse. of it's some of it's yeah. unpleasant. Right. Yeah. Um I mean just going through the study there was a guy at work that I'm I'm working this out out loud, extroverted with with him. And he has a Jewish Jewish wife. Uh, he comes from a Methodist background. All the things that I'm saying to him is just like, yeah. you know, never has heard this before. And uh, I mean, we'll have follow up talks. And yeah. I mean, that's same as you guys, and just uh, talking to people on the way. It also has me to learn scripture from a Hebrew mindset. From um, I want to read the entire Tanakh in Hebrew. That's a goal that I eventually want to get to. It's, I would like to do that too, but I'd like to know what I'm reading, which means I got to get the vocabulary down. Because I can sit there that. and sound it out real slow, and right. you know, 14, 15 years from now I'll be done, but I won't have any idea what I read. But that's but you're working the Hebrew. I'm vocabulary. trying to get the vocabulary Good down you. every single day, trying to eventually. That's what I would. Li- I'd like to carry a Hebrew Tanakh around that, with. That's me. a serious. Serious Hebrew roots focus, yeah. but but it is. I commend you. It's a long term because goal. if you're going to tell people you practice Judaism, yeah, then Hebrew. There's there, there isn't a Judaism if, without Hebrew. Yeah, you yeah. can't. I mean, if you're going to read any books, I mean, well, we just deemed you the hell to go in. Not that you need to become a scholar, but if if you if you can't at least do read the prayers, it, yeah. and then at least have a working knowledge of it right it ultimately to say you practice Judaism and you don't get to that not that you got to be there immediately of course not but if you if you're if you say you're practicing Judaism and you're not making an actual effort to really incorporate Hebrew at some point I'm going to question your Judaism true because we, we just ding the Hellenists right right because they're Hellenized Jews, but many of them didn't even speak or were able to read or understand Hebrew. Right. So I yeah. definitely, well, it, and, and I want to be able to pray in Hebrew. I want to be able to do all those prayers that we do on, on Shabbat morning. And I know you're doing it. Um, and, and actually, my comprehension, mm-hmm. so like now on Shabbat, I actually, uh, we, we read the portion together as a family, right? And I actually will read my Aliyah in Hebrew wow. first. Mainly because I'm just trying to, I'm, just, I'm still working on just getting my, my fluency in the reading, yeah. which it's come a long way. But as I've been working on just getting the fluency of the reading, you get the book out, right? I'm actually now, I'm finding that my comprehension, because, because you do pick up, True. when you pick up vocabulary in, in, in this, learning to pray in Siddur right. is really helpful because you got the English right here and you're you know yep. and so if you're working on reading the Hebrew you know what the English is and you do that enough you start to pick up vocabulary and yeah. right have you seen the so, uh, the interlinear inter- 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 I have several of those nice yeah, yeah. I, I, I grabbed an interlinear sitter and yeah. uh, that that is so that's cool, cool. The, the, as, the as smart sitter smart. from Arts yeah, yeah, yeah. you can you can have it on your iPad and it'll it'll scroll together the whole deal. In it's fact, awesome. in this last trip to Israel, I bought 
a Kol Eliyahu Sador, which is only Hebrew Sador. Hmm. It's a Sephardi. Um, and I'm starting to try to break that in. So that has no English in right. it at all. It's Hebrew only. Um, Peter's given me a couple of those. So, the Bible that way too. Yeah. You know, it's like. Yeah, I've got a. Uh, yeah. But it's one of those things where you just have to kind of. You got to kind of just. Constantly. Just kind of it. force yourself to yeah. muddle through it. I, right. I think to your point. Um, if we're going to say that our faith is based in Judaism, to say that we practice Judaism, if a guy practices Judaism and he's done it since birth, he spent a good deal of time in school learning Hebrew and learning how to interface with the various documents and, and books that are available for his faith. So if we're coming into this uh, out of season, as Paul would say, or, or uh, we're late in life to it. Some of us are later than others. Um, we, need to, we need to jump in and, and kick it a little bit, or the Judaism we're practicing is no better than the Reformed Judaism that I make fun of, and I don't want that. So. Well, but, he, there's, but there's even a lot of Reformed Jews that can actually read the Hebrew. Oh, yeah, because they went through Hebrew school. Right, right. Kids, right? Exactly. So, um, I mean, like my five-year-old granddaughter almost six so she's she's in it now right yeah well she, so she's in a she's in an orthodox Torah academy Hebrew school and they they learn Hebrew and English she's learning both wow. right um, so they're teaching them to read Hebrew teaching them to read English you know and so she's she's almost six you know and she she's rattling it you know, she, she's you know um, she's making really good progress right in another year or two yeah She'll be able to read both with no problem and not even think about it. That's right. And, it, and it, it makes me so jealous. It really does. It really does. All right. So that's, uh, that's good. Good, uh, good conversation there, guys. Let's, uh, let's take a look back at the study guide. Just to add one thing in, any yes. time you pick up a language, you learn the culture. You have to. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, that's, that's coming in with it. Um, just while you're while you're, you're going back to the study guide, just one other thought that this brings to mind, which is, we really need, you know, people like us. I mean, everybody, but certainly people like us. Really, really need a translation of the apostolic writings, a Jewish translation of the apostolic writings. Like we need. A Torah scholar to be moved by the Lord yeah, to, to actually bring a true Jewish interpretation and translation of the apostolic writings. So because you, need, you need a guy there. There are none. I right. mean, we have some. Well, you've got, we, we you've have got Stern, the gospel. We have, we have, well, yes, the gospels, yes. Right? Yep. Because Vine of David did that, and it's spectacular. Yeah, right. And, and they're, uh, even but, the, but even the stuff they're in the using, back. but they're using. Um, they're using a, a Jewish man. They're using a Jewish man who was who was raised Orthodox, became a believer later in life, right? And then took it upon himself to stopped. translate, right? And he so. stopped at the end of right. John. 
but we, we need someone. But the, but that someone's got to know both Hebrew and Greek and English fluently. But they but they have and to be com- but they have to be coming. They have to be. They have to have been raised in Judaism first. I agree, and that's that's hard to find. Uh, you know, the I'm sure there are I'm sure there are some out there. Uh, um, the one person that I know of that could probably do it, or at least could be a big part of an effort to do that. Uh, would be Ariel Kilmore because he's he would need probably someone because he'd need help with Greek wouldn't he he, he would um, heck he needs help with English <laughs> yeah but I, but I right and, and that's what I'm saying I don't, I don't know that he could do it all by himself but he could if if somebody took if somebody could take the Greek, if somebody could take the, use the Rosetta Stone to get back to Hebrew. Yeah, then you're doing it. That's, that's what they got to do. What about the uh, Orthodox Jewish Bible? Where did that one come from? Well, the, but that one. That's, that's one guy, and he's, pre- he's, he's pretty much just done a, a, a name. Transliteration. Transliteration of it, basically, right? yeah. Okay. It's, it's just like the uh, Stearns deal, right? So you've got a Christian who's taking Hebrew word or Hebrew phrases or words and just placing them in there. But the concepts and the thematic themes are, are not Jewish, you know? Okay. At, at least they're as Jewish as you and I would make them. But being steeped in it, grown up in an Orthodox home and understanding some of those nuances or even some of the jokes would be great. All right, so uh, did you catch the bookends there? I, I tried to lay it out for you with, uh, you know, we're, we're starting to talk about uh, Barnabas and uh, Antioch and Paul and all of that, and then we get this little interlude with, uh, with Peter getting thrown in jail. It's hilarious. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we jump down to Acts twelve twenty five. Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem, when they had completed their service, their service was what we heard about before he got thrown in jail, which was there's going to be a famine. Get down there and, and bring a, uh, a gift to them. So they completed that service, and they grab John Mark, and they go back to Antioch. So uh, little bookends uh, on that interlude. So put yourself in Peter's, uh, Peter's mind now just for a, for a few minutes, if you would. You've been thrown in jail. This is at least the third time that I can recall, right? Thrown in jail the first time, um, and uh, with at least John, and then another time, a whole bunch of them are thrown in jail. Um, one time he's beaten, the two of them are beaten. Don't talk about, you can teach whatever you want, just don't teach in his name anymore, that kind of thing. That was earlier in Acts chapters four, five kind of deal. So, now, you've been thrown in jail again. And this seems pretty rough. You're by yourself and there's guards and the whole deal. And the angel comes, hits you in the side to wake you up, and 
you just kind of walk right out as if you're in the matrix. I mean, the door swings open. You're walking right past the guards, they don't see anything. It's, it's like you're in the matrix, you know? You know, what's interesting is um, when we lived in Houston, the community that we were part of there, there was an elderly Jewish man who attended. His name was uh, Victor Pesach, actually. Yeah. Um, was his last name. Um, but he was born in um, what was Yugoslavia. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, Yugoslavia doesn't exist anymore. But he was born in Yugoslavia, and, um, and so uh, before World War II. So um, when the Nazis came into eastern part, you know, eastern Poland and parts of Eastern Europe. Of course, they're rounding up all the Jews. Sure. Um, and he was, I think he said he was like 14 at the time, and he got arrested by the by the not local Nazi sympathizers, and he was in a holding cell waiting for the Germans to, to Come get to. there and take him and put him on a train headed to Who knows some that? death camp somewhere. And um, he, while he was in the jail cell, so he was Jewish, right? While he was in the jail cell, a um, an angel appears to him and says, "Go, go home, get your mother, and leave the country." And the next thing he knows, the jail door is cracked open, and the and the guard is nowhere to be found. So he run, you know, he scoots out, makes it outside the building, and hightails at home, gets his mother, and they manage to somehow escape Yugoslavia, and they make their way to England. Wow! And. Uh, and it wasn't until later when they were living in England that he eventually got somehow got introduced to the apostolic writings and when he read this story that's gonna make you go wow. <laughs> right. you know and it was um, part that was instrumental in him actually coming Come to, to, to full faith in this wow um, but uh, yeah so when I yeah. When I read that story, it always reminds me of, of Victor because yeah. his personal testimony includes that. Is almost like verbatim. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. wow. So. so what do you think what do you think Pete was thinking? I mean, let, just go through his life for a second. Guy's a fisherman. The Messiah actually personally calls him. He sees the Messiah transformed on a mountain. He sees him walk on water. He sees him raise people from the water. dead. Okay. He walks on water, and he has actually now raised someone from the dead. Do you think he was blown away? I would be blown away. Do you think he was blown away? Or do you think he's like part and parcel, working for the king? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's purely speculation, but 
I don't think he had any fear at all. In fact, actually, doesn't he end up asking him to be crucified upside, upside down? Yeah. Well, the Roman Church says that. Well, right, that's the tradition. That's the tradition. Because right. he was unworthy to um, be right. killed the way his master was. But I, I don't... My personal um, speculation is that he has no fear. I mean, how after knowing what he knows and seeing what he saw... And denying it. Well, right. I mean, coming back all, all of the things that he went through, yeah. all the things that he saw, and now the fact that he himself, as you said, is raised someone from the dead. Yeah. I think he's got a connection there. He's not just too he's strong not, to be shaken. He's not concerned, right? We see this, I think, the boldness right. on, on Acts chapter 2, again in Acts chapter 4. He gets thrown in prison. They beat him, and he's happy about it. When the time he didn't get beaten, he stands right up to the Sanhedrin and says, hey, you know what? Can't help it. Yeah. Listen to man, listen to God. Wait, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. <laughs> you know. So, you agree? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I did think, too, though, in addition to how miraculous it was, it was not a mistake that it mentions that it's during Pesach. Because that's, it's almost like what the Torah says about, like, you need to eat the Pesach with your sandals on and your staff in your hand, like ready, ready to go. Be ready to move. Yeah, nice. and that's what the angel that's says. That's good. To I him. didn't get that. That's the angel's great. like, "Hey, dress yourself, put on your sandals, yeah, like, wrap that, your cloak. Like that is, we're heading out." That, that is a good connection. And I thought it's yeah. during the days of unleavened bread. So. Yeah, and right. I thought that was fascinating. That it, like he's kind of experiencing his own mini exodus yeah. here yeah. during this this uh, during Pesach. Yeah, no, that nice. that is a good connection. That's great. That. I'm writing that down. I don't know if you guys realize it, but you probably don't. You, you you probably have no reason to. But after class, you know, during the next week, I go back in the study guide and I add in some of the things that you guys have said. Yeah, so it makes great. it better for everybody who comes behind us. All right. Um, yeah, on page twenty-eight, you got the uh, this verse. It's review question number two. When Barnabas came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. You read this earlier, Greg. And he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. I don't get the parenthetical statement. If we take that out of there, it would have been, when Barnabas came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. He exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. And a great many people were added to the Lord. Why do we have this reason it's like he said this because he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and of faith. Why is that there? It seems out of place to me. Unless it's trying to teach us that that's what guys like that, which should be guys like us, do. Mm-hmm. Exhort one another, which Paul's later going to teach us we ought to be doing. Is that the only reason? Yeah, you know, it's... I think I... Seems like I may have made this comment in a prior class at some point. Maybe it was the class that Joshua led on the Holy Spirit. Because um, on one of my trips to Seattle, when I was hanging out with the guys in Zmach David, who are all Jewish, most of them all Jewish, right? Um, Jeff Edelman, the guy, in a, we were, 
sitting around shul and studying together and Jeff was kind of leading he was kind of leading a shiur but it was it was kind of a group discussion but he made a statement um, that stuck with me and this kind of sort of resonant kind of connects back to his to Jeff's statement because Jeff said you know why is it that we as Jews you know for us to attain the Holy Spirit, we got to go to yeshiva. It's lots of study. It's, it's you know, we, it's 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 prayer. It's we got to have this devotion and this and this de, this that's off the hinges and it's like all this work and you know and maybe in twenty years I'll achieve the I'll, I'll achieve ruach hakodesh. Top May it be so. Top show. And then these 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 goyim these Christians. <laughs> Just like, bang, yeah, and he he said, and he says, why why is that, right? And um, and and then so there's those that statement which kind of stuck out because here's a Jewish guy who's raised yeah. Jewish, yeah. but he's a believer, right? And he's making this observation, right? And it kind of stuck with me. And then some things that. Some, some things that Ariel Kalanoros has, has said, where he said, Christi- he uses the phrase Christianity, he says, Christianity is above the Torah. Okay? So you have to understand where he's coming from, but his point is, his point is, um, it's, it's, like a, it's like a young child, right? A young child is not obligated to the, to to do mitzvot because they don't, they, number one, they're already innocent, right? right? And they don't have, they don't have the knowledge that's required to actually do it, right? And so, so one, so one kind of perspective that Ariel has, because, you know, he's like, well, Christians, Christians are, Christianity, not just individual Christian, but Christianity is above the Torah in the sense that um, it's it's completely focused on more of the internal character heart issues, right? Right. right. Which um, which the, to use his phrase is above the Torah, right? Meaning meaning if you're if you're going to be a Torah observant Jew, that presupposes you're already a good person. Right. We read that when we were doing the the uh, the book, right? I mean, yeah, Yisharim. Right. You you don't even start until you're already keeping the commandments. You're, this that's a no brainer. Right. And you're already a good good man along those lines. Now we build on that. Right. So the so in. In Ariel, from Ariel's perspective, the way he looks at Christianity is he says, you know, you got all these, all these beautiful people who love God and, you know, and are devout and they're in in their from you know in their their the way they approach things and they want to do good and they you know and they love pe- they love people all this kind of stuff and it's like that's the, all of that is above the Torah in the sense of um, in the sense of you know any sort of righteousness through commandments, which okay we kind of we sort of get that right. Yeah. yeah. 
But it kind of connected back to me because it's like, and then you see here, your question, well, why, why does it describe Barnabas as being filled with the Holy Spirit? Um, in, in specifically in the context of these Gentiles. Well, maybe it has to do with the fact that these Gentiles who have no basis of, in Torah are yet being filled with the Holy Spirit. Right. Right, which is what, exactly which is what, why they're all amazed and in awe and shocked to begin with. That's right. Why? Because from their perspective, wait a minute, that's something you have to earn and work for over years and years of study and prayer and devotion and, you know, and you, you don't just, you don't just, just get like that, that, right? And so, I, you know, I'm like not sure exactly what I'm trying to yeah, say, no, here, I but, like it. but, I like but it. it's like all of these, you know, all of these observations that I'm, that yeah. I've heard recently from Jews. Fit fit back to this kind of thing here where they're amazed that these Gentiles are getting the Holy Spirit yeah. because that is not something that just happens if, from their perspective. Right. This also helps me to appreciate in, in, instead of looking down on, on someone who doesn't keep the commandments or doesn't believe it has any part in our faith or halakha. Right. Um, you know, I've got, I've got godly folks that I know that I look up to because of their tremendous godliness. And this helps me to understand a perspective on their walk that sort of makes the lower part, if you will, the Torah, mm -hmm. um, not quite as important as the fact that these people are unbelievable. You know, they love God. They are filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, they're doing the works of God. They're serving Him and so forth. And, and I get it. And that, that's, a, that's a really good perspective. The, the, the other, to use a slightly different analogy, but it was helpful for me, um, is, I think this was also Ariel that said this, Think, those of us who like wine, right? <clears throat> Think of a glass of wine, right? Wine is highly enjoyable. Amen. Right? Wine, you know, and, and uh, of course, yain is the word for wine in Hebrew, which has the same kibachri as sod, right? Which is to say the wine goes in and see what's come out, meaning that your real character comes out yeah. after you've had a glass or two of, of wine, right? Yeah. Um, but in in wine, wine brings joy and all, all those things, right? So wine is kind of like spirituality. Okay. The wine glass is the Torah. It's the it's the vessel. It's the framework. Okay. If you don't have the framework, it's going to be really hard to enjoy the wine because the wine's just going to kind of go everywhere. You're going to be licking it up off the floor, or, you know, or whatever, whatever. It's going to get on shirt. You have to have ultimately, you have to have a vessel. Yeah, that's appropriate to contain the wine so that you can 
actually get maximum enjoyment from the wine. Nice. If you don't have the vessel, then the wine is just blah, it just kind of flows everywhere, and it's kind of you know. And Ariel Ariel shares this because and he often uses he speaks and he speaks Kabbalah right, so he uses the term light and vessel right. Yeah. Christianity is all light. Right? It's love, love, love. It's peace, peace, peace. It's mercy, 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 compassion, compassion, compassion. Ah, I don't, not so worried so much about what you do. Just love people, be a good person. How can you argue with any of that, right? I mean, it's, it's light. And that's why he's saying it's above the Torah. But at some point, the light has to be contained yeah. in order for it to um, fulfill its, and, and accomplish its true purpose right yeah. it's like what has more light outer space or the surface of the earth if you're in outer space what what would you see out there well if you see the movies or look through a telescope it's like black but in truth there's actually more light in outer space but you can't perceive the light in outer space because there's no, no vessel. vessel when the light comes into our atmosphere and and reflects off the earth. The earth acts as a vessel. Our atmosphere acts as a vessel. And that's why we can perceive the light when we stand on the face of the earth. You can't perceive it when you're in outer space, but it's actually more intense in outer space. But you have to have a vessel, right? And so, ultimately, while Christianity, to use this analogy, Christianity, one would say, somebody like an Ariel would say, is above the Torah. It's light. It's godliness. It's light. But eventually Christians will have to concentrate the light they need a in a framework. They need a structure. Framework. Because in in this came up in a conversation I had with him because you know he gets a lot of Christians and messianics that come through and want to talk to him because he's the Orthodox Jew that happens to, you know, believe in Jesus, right? And so he'll, he'll have these charismatic types, right, who will say, come to him and say, you know, I had this vision and God told me this and this happened and yeah, 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 yeah. And they'll go on for, you know, 20 minutes describing this very vivid vision that they just sincerely know was from the Lord, right? Right. And then they'll say, what, what does that mean? And he's like, that's just light. That's all light. I can't do anything with that because there's no there's no vessel for it. Yeah. No, there's no framework. I can't give you. I don't know. I mean, I, you know, did God actually tell you? Was that actually a bit? Maybe it was. I mean, how, how would I know? But I can't. I'm not in any position to right. tell you anything about right. that because what do I do with that? That's just light that's bouncing everywhere. That's, that's wine just kind of free flowing. Getting everything, getting everything wet and red and wet, right? That's a great perspective. Yeah. It, it really, it, it helps me understand charismatic people better, too. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But you have to, but you, ultimately, you have, you need both. Yeah, there needs to be a If you have vessel with no, if you have a wine glass with no wine, well, okay, well, that's not going to be very useful or enjoyable. Right. And if you have wine with nothing to put in it, it's going to be hard to enjoy that. Yeah, that's true. You ultimately have to have both. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest challenges for us 
is figuring out how to make sure we've got the right amount of vessel and the right amount of wine. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. I think it was uh, along those lines. I think it was either in the Tanya or it's just kind of a basic like Kabbalistic principle, this idea of like an awakening from above versus awakening from below. And that's sort of what I was thinking of when it came to the Gentiles' version of receiving the Holy Spirit versus the Jews' Very good. receiving the Holy Spirit. Because that, like, the, the in, 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 whichever way you look at it, either from, like, the Tanya or sort of that, that Kabbalistic idea, the ideal is the awakening from below, where it's essentially like the Jew or the person is working so hard on themselves and studying so hard and, and petitioning to Hashem so much that God acts and, and gives them what they desire yeah. uh, versus the other way where God is the one that intervenes and, and wakes people up, slaps them in the face or does you know something dramatic yeah. like delivering a, a cherished thing like the Holy Spirit to somebody that's relatively new, not necessarily knowing. The issue with that though is how easy it is when there isn't a vessel, how easy it is for that to just fizzle. Right. And we've seen that, that of course, experience, as we're, and now you got nothing. Exactly, and we've seen that as we're going through the Exodus story right now. Yeah. How quickly it is that you go from experiencing such an amazing awakening from above, you know, and then all of a sudden you make a mistake. It, yeah, from above and from below is is a that's another really good way to put it because the other concept that Ariel uses all the time is bread from bread from heaven or bread from the earth. Mm. Right, yeah. so when we were in the wilderness, it was bread from heaven. Right, we did nothing. God miraculously yeah. provided for us, and it was it was like supernatural, you know, um, uh, extraordinary miracles happening all the time. Right, and we really did nothing for that. But when we came into the land with Joshua, guess what? The manna from the bread from heaven stops. And now if you're going to eat, you've got to cultivate the bread from the earth. That's the difference between Christianity and Judaism. But it's also the difference between Messiah ben Yosef and Messiah ben David. Because Messiah ben Yosef is bread from heaven, which is actually what Yeshua said. But Messiah ben David is red and ruddy and ruby or whatever that word. He's earthy in yeah. a sense that sure. he's going to fight. He's going to be a political guy. And he's going to reign. And if you don't like it, that's it. you're out of the pool. Yeah. And that's that's bread from... That's Meshach ben David is bread, bread from, from the earth. earth. Yeah, that's good. And, and Meshach ben Yosef is bread from heaven. The bread from heaven comes first, but ultimately it's going to be up to us to cultivate bread from yeah. from the earth. And the Motsi blessing is that way, right? Blessed your Lord our God, who brings forth bread from the earth. Bread doesn't come from the earth. We have to work exactly and get the grain that He's provided from the earth and make it into bread. It's a joint effort. Cool. Oh, 
It's great stuff. All right, so uh, final question. Have we seen anything in your minds? Go back now. Anything that would lead you to believe so far that the halakha for a Jew who comes to understand and believe that Yeshua is the long-promised Messiah is any different than the halakha for these non-Jews who are hearing about whether they're devout, um, how to put it, God-fearers, right, like Cornelius, or they're just, um, where have we seen other non-Jews? Uh, well, we will in a couple, in a, in a week or two, you'll see them uh, in Paul's first missionary journey as he goes to the synagogue. They don't want to hear him, um, and then he starts preaching to non-Jews. So is there a difference between their holocaust so far that we've seen or the Jews? You're shaking your head no. Looks the same to you. Yeah. No special dispensation. Well, you're a, you're a Gentile, so um, you don't need to whatever. I don't know. Nothing coming to mind on that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I mean, nothing comes to mind, no. Uh, but but that wasn't necessarily the topic of conversation, I guess I would say. They're not necessarily bringing up the... Well, I guess it's not necessarily mentioning the, the follow-up. After you repent and believe, Yes. most of what we've read hasn't gone into the discipleship model afterwards, which presumably that would be where the introduction of your walk would come into play. Okay. Uh, but if that was the case, were well, they're still all Jews, so there wouldn't have been much difference. There wasn't a lot of Gentiles. Right. Um, Cornelius we read, but he's a God-fearer. He is devout. They love him to death. He's paid for the synagogue. The Jews are telling the master he's worthy to be helped. He's praying the prayers at the appropriate times. He's got a servant or a, a, a soldier under him who's devout. Devout is, and that's a, that's a key word there. So um, maybe there doesn't need to be a discussion of halakha because the halakha is already the same. If that's true, then when you've got non-Jews coming in who just like to hang with Jews, then that follow-up might be necessary. But you're right, we haven't seen any of that yet. Comment? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm probably going to have a slightly different take here. I, it seems to me that, at least at this point... Right, only to this point we've read. They, they are... Um, they seem to be handling the non-Jews... Differently. How so? Um, uh, I mean, the way there, there's there's not many specifics that that we've read with respect to daily halacha, right? But it 
So I'm inferring more from the tone of the way they describe the situations, right? So, I mean, Kyle, I mean, one of them we just talked about, right? The fact that, wait a minute, these non-Jews are getting the Holy Spirit? What do we do with that? So they right. recognize that God so they, has granted them. They definitely recognize that God is moving among the, the, the Gentiles, right? And that's obviously the, the primary point of chapter 10, right? In the first part of chapter 11, is to make that point clear. Mm -hmm. That, mm -hmm. no, these non-Jews, God can move in their life in ways similar or even different than the way they move among mm -hmm. you as mm -hmm. Jews. Right. So you've got an argument from silence though, right? Because they don't, at this point, tell them, well, you know, you were just worshiping Zeus. You gotta stop that now. So we got an argument from silence, right? Because they haven't said, don't. Well, but your argument is also from silence. My point is that to say we, to say that they have the same halakha. I'm not saying they have the same halakha. I'm asking, have we seen where they've said there should be a difference, or they've indicated you don't have to do something? I think what we're all coming to the conclusion on is they're not saying anything about halakha. Right. I, I if they're dealing with Jews, the Jews were doing this, and evidently they're continuing to do this. What I what I what I think we can, or at least what I feel like I can say is they recognize that this is that something unusual is happening. Good. Without question. Right. So um, and, and we know even from the fact that they sent Barnabas to, to go confirm, well, are these reports true? Are we sure? I mean, is this really happening? Right. So, this, so we know that what's happening is unusual and causing the Jewish community to one, take note, and two, sort of pause, right? Like, well, you know, this is not what we expected and kind of, you know, what, what's going on here. So that I think we can clearly see up to this point, but specific matters of halakha have not come up. I, everybody agree there? Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, it just seems silent. There hadn't been an opportunity, but I would ask you then, what's Barnabas doing in Antioch for a year? Where did it say? I think it's uh, Acts 12. Uh, bottom end of 12, is it? Um, Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem where they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. That's about it. So what are they going to do? Like you said, let's go investigate. Mm -hmm. um, but what would you do? If non-Jews are joining themselves to the Lord in the name of his Messiah, maybe we can infer that they're teaching them about the practice of Judaism. I don't know what else you teach them other than the words of the Master, which can't take that long to tell. Because his words 
or a rehash or a clarification of the Torah. So maybe they're teaching in the Torah. Again, all speculation, but it is interesting that up at least to this point, basis of our class, there hasn't been, okay, so you're a Gentile. So this is, this is different, okay? So that circumcision thing, you got to do that. Or the pork thing, you know, for you it's okay. Or have you heard those Noahide laws? They're going to work for you. We haven't had any of that. Right. So still, and I think we're pretty deep. I, I personally, having not read Acts in so long, expected a little bit more. You know, Sunday school started, flannel graph, let's get it, you know, something, you know. This is a kosher wiener. This is a non-kosher wiener, you know, that kind of thing. But, but, um, but so what are they doing for a year? The short answer is we don't know, right? right. So we can speculate. Right. Um, but there's a lot of Torah that can be taught. Just about Messiah. Just about Messiah. Just I mean, remember these these non-Jews prior to are, I think we can safely assume, by and large, good old flat-out pagans. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna argue with you there for a second. I'm guessing, but is that true, or did we find that? they were hanging with Jews to begin with. Because I don't think until we get to the next couple of lessons, you've actually got Paul going out, hits the synagogue, they don't want well, him to do it. Even if they down. had been hanging out with Jews for a period of time, but yeah. the, the point is they are all coming from a, not just a non-Jewish culture, but specifically they're all coming from a pagan Culture because unlike today where you can be a Gentile and still be monotheistic that was very 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 much sure. the exception sure. in that in that day and age right yeah. so um, you know so so you're thinking uh, Barnabas actually went out because these guys are only talking to non-Jews uh, to Jews he spoke to non-Jews and, well, I think, and we're not necessarily hanging with the Jews. Well, they, I'm not saying they, they may have or may not have been hanging with the Jews. Right? I mean, uh, there, there could probably was some non-Jews who are starting, for whatever reason, to take some interest, right? right. And that wouldn't be surprising because that, that was a move of God that was beginning sure. at that sure. point. But the point is, even if I've been hanging, even if I'm a non-Jew and been hanging around this, the local shul in Antioch for six months or a year, doesn't change the fact that I was raised as a pagan. No question. Not so we, as a we monotheistic up. Christian or a monotheistic Jew, you know, Muslim or whatever, right? Yeah. So I'm coming out of a background and a culture of pagan yeah. idolatry, etc. No so, so with that kind of as the backdrop, even if those non-Jews are talking to, we're already voluntarily starting to sort of separate themselves from some of that. There's still a lot of baggage there that, that requires a lot of Torah 
yeah. teaching and, and that's without exactly. getting into this is a kosher wiener. wiener and this is, is not, yeah, right? I agree. Because yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, let's, let's make sure you're not sleeping with the temple prostitute before we get into separating meat and dairy. Yeah. Well, let's right. let's see if you understand what monotheism is even all about. Exactly, exactly. And teaching yeah. is exactly what it says they were doing. Who, right. What do we have? We have Joshua here. He says, "What about Barnabas's character description in eleven twenty three and twenty four? Show he was a good man, which seems to be a justification of someone who was ministering to Gentiles. I'd guess his teaching was halakhically sound, and it uses." Similar language to describe the Antioch non-Jews. Where'd it go? Little added to the Lord. Well, would we? So would he we, was. Would we expect Barnabas to have teaching that's not halakhically sound? Yeah. Well, but but the description here, it's in twenty-three and twenty-four. It's credentials of we're sending him up with credentials to teach these people. Yeah, I mean, definitely he seems qualified, right, right. for sure. Well, so is that why last, they added that? His last thing said, uh, he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. And Joshua says, well, what does faithful look like? Yeah, and coming yeah. from Barnabas, that, so that, that actually is kind of an interesting question. Because it doesn't say, you could really go both ways with that. You know, on the one hand, you could speculate, yeah, Barnabas, as, as a good Jew... He is teaching how to be faithful to God from the Jewish perspective to non-Jews. But since it doesn't say, you could probably take the perspective of someone like First Fruits Design and say, well, yeah, they, he was teaching them the faithfulness that's required of the Gentiles, not necessarily sign commands, you know, yeah, or, or you could put any spin again, on Again, we all agree that we're, this is all speculation. We right. all agree yeah. that. Um, but that's, that's, that's I think good. we can also agree that whatever he was teaching was certainly kosher and halakhically yeah. valid, right? <laughs> he's not going no, to go teach a unhalakhically whatever. Right, right. But, but the but application... We, but we don't know what he would right, teach right. a non-Jew at this point. Right. right? Exactly. Would he, but to your point, I, I do think, and, and actually to Joshua's as well, teaching faithfulness to God to a person who wasn't raised in that type of culture and who was deliberately raised in a culture that is polytheistic, it makes sense that 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 could certainly be part of that that teaching mission, mm-hmm. right? But I think we can all agree, you know, as far as a list of you're a non-Jew, you don't have to do this, you do have to do this, you know, we're going to pick yeah. apart. We haven't said that. Before you go, you know, splitting wool over which seats you know you're wearing you're yeah. probably saying stop sleeping around yeah you know don't steal things that's right that stealing stuff's got to go yeah yeah before we break out you know track tape you've set the right blessing over the right type you probably need to make sure you're not sleeping with the local temple prostitute and and you probably need to make sure you don't have any vestiges of like idols in your home right right that's a good point so you know it's like and one wife would be good too, by the way. Yeah. 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 All right, Joshua. Thanks for popping in there, man. Okay. And where, where is he? We don't know where we don't. Oh, St. Louis. Oh, St. Louis. That's right. That's right. I guess. All right. We got a call on a night, guys. That was uh, that was good. 
All right, so uh, just to tee up next week for you is, uh, uh, what is next week? Next week is uh, Lesson 19. It is Lesson 19. I knew that part, yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. Uh, Lesson uh, 19 is all about Paul's first missionary journey, and uh, and I learned something new. Um, I had no idea that he had a long sermon not unlike Stevens. Mm-hmm. Stevens is in Acts chapter 7. Paul's is in Acts chapter 13. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty incredible. So part of your homework is going to be compare the two and see what they look like. What, where is it different? Where is it not? Um, clearly, two different men preach these, these deals. So um, I'm excited about it. It's, uh, it's good. Also gave you a little map so you can see all the places that uh, he and Barney went. Um, and they, I think they took Mark, and he lasted about, about halfway. We thank you, Adonai, and I, our God, that you've established our portion with those who dwell in the study hall, and you have not established our portion with idlers. For we arise early, and they arise early. We arise early for words of Torah, and they arise early for idle words. We toil, and they toil. We toil and receive reward, and they toil and do not receive reward. We run and they run. We run to the life of the world to come, and they run to the pit of destruction. As it is written, and you, O God, you will lower them into the well of destruction. Men of bloodshed and deceit shall not live out half their days. But as for us, we will trust in you. Thank you, gents. Good job. Good, good discussion for sure. Did you say earlier I could get the interlinear yeah. R scroll on the iPad? Oh yeah, yeah. I'll show it to you in a second. Yes, please. Stop that.